Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This week, we've got another great interview with you that uh, we actually did with Amanda Christensen, a licensed marriage and family therapist and fellow colleague who works with these similar issues that I work with. And uh, we're so excited to share this interview with her. It's just such a great discussion we had. And before we do that, I want to let you know about a free resource you can download in the show notes. Rebuilding trust is not an easy process. It's complicated. There's lots of starts and stops, and there can be a lot of confusion about what to do, what not to do. So I've created a free resource you can download that will give you some orientation on what to do, when to do it, both for the betrayed partner and the partner that committed the betrayal. And also there's great resources in there for the couple. This can be such an overwhelming and confusing time. And this brief course that I created surprisingly is packed with a lot of information. People have found it so helpful and they're surprised at how much is in there. Even if you've been along the journey for a while and you feel like you're in a better place, I'd still encourage you to check it out. People are often surprised how many steps they've missed or they need to revisit. You can find the link in the show notes and I'll send it to you immediately. All right, let's jump into introducing our speaker today as well as the topic. We interviewed a therapist named Amanda Christensen and she's a fellow colleague that works a lot with couples dealing with betrayal. And I love her take on this topic, which is about healing rituals in marriage. Just as far as setting this up, I want you to recognize that we live in a world of symbols and rituals, and we use them all the time and sometimes don't even realize it. Everything from things at church, like taking a sacrament or a graduation ceremony or a wedding, birthdays, baptisms, there's so many symbols that surround us. And we use them as ways to orient ourselves or make sense or make meaning out of things. And especially when there's been an injury or a betrayal or some significant loss, it's very normal and natural for us to want to know that we've moved forward, that we've healed, that there's been some kind of a marker or signal that there's been transformation or change. So we're going to talk about ways that you can use these symbols and rituals, create new ones, embrace old ones, and use these as a way to advance your healing in the process, both individually and as a couple. And it's a very personal one. You'll, you'll notice in yourself thinking through it. It happened to the two of us as we were talking with Amanda. We were aware of rituals we've done in our own marriage. Personally, it's something that we almost are all touched and affected by. So I think you'll really enjoy the discussion. Okay, so let's jump right in to our interview and conversation with Amanda Christensen, licensed marriage and family therapist. Well, welcome to the podcast, Amanda. It's so great to have you here with us. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. Thanks. <laughs> so we work a lot with couples and a lot of what couples need to heal sometimes can feel, I would say, a little bit elusive, almost like there's something that you can't quite wrap your, your head around or your hands around. And it's like there's this thing that you know couples get to a certain point in their healing where they've they maybe done a lot of things, they've checked a lot of boxes, they're doing 
a lot of the work. And, and like one of the chapters in, in my book that I wrote with Mark Chamberlain says, you know, we're both working, but it's not working kind of a thing. It's this idea that you got two earnest people really looking to heal and there's just some things missing. And so I know that today we're going to talk about how to use symbols and rituals to help couples really pass through to a deeper level of healing and how we live in a world of symbols and how we live with so much meaning and how to really lasso that harness it, pull it together and, and translate it into actual meaningful rituals for people to heal is really the work we want to talk about today and how we can invite couples into that space and give lots of examples of it as well in, in, in your work, Amanda, that you do with couples. So I guess as far as leading off into this, is it okay if we just start with some basic definitions for our listeners so that we can all be on the same page about what we mean by symbols and meaning and then even rituals? Yeah. Yeah. So, and you've already said, and when I say symbols, I'm also kind of just including metaphors, similes, you know, we don't have to get too, too bogged down in the grammar, but I'm going to keep using the word symbol. And you already said the word meaning a couple of times. And that's really what, what the purpose is here. We attach meaning to other things constantly, a lot of times unconsciously. Sometimes very intentionally, but a lot of times unconsciously, we've just, our brain attaches, oh, that means this, or I'm going to pair this with this. Or when I went through that, I've now made meaning out of that. And you know how sometimes someone else will put meaning on an experience for you, and it's actually really Mm -hmm. annoying. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, we have that conversation all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's not fun. So a lot of work and the therapy I do is having the clients decide what they want their life and their experiences to mean. And you can do that through working through symbols and then doing intentional rituals paired with it. So it's really just meaning making. And I want people to feel empowered that you have, you have power over the meaning that your life is and the experiences you've been through can mean something. And that's up to them. You know, I'm not really pushing toward a happy meaning, even like, you know, everything happens for a mm-hmm. reason. And oh, why did that hard thing happen? Oh, it was for this reason. No, not necessarily. I want people to kind of just be awake to what is symbolizing what in their lives, usually as a facilitator for deeper couple work, or just deeper individual awareness, and then you can do something with it. Right. Yeah. Right. And that saves yeah. time I, too. That saves mm-hmm. time in the process because someone can be talking about this huge thing. And then once you guys identify it as symbolizing something, I should probably just give an example. Let me give an example really quick of this one I like. So there's a couple and It's a constant struggle of her mothering him and feeling like, feeling like things will fall apart if she doesn't continually mother him and the children and pretty much do it all. And so Mm -hmm. there's this tortoise that they had for years and, uh, you know, she would feed it, she would clean the tank and she would try to get the kids to clean the tank. And anyway, eventually she just had too much on her plate and she told the husband, I cannot take care of your tortoise anymore. It's his tortoise. You have to take this mm. over oh. and I'm not going to, I'm not going to save you. Like, 
if the tortoise is starving to death, I'm not going <laughs> to save it. And he said, okay, I yeah. will, you know, and literally like within a week, the tortoise was dead and it's hard to kill a tortoise, uh, right? Oh, yeah. They live, for they live years in the desert forever, don't they? Without Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so you're not saying it's hard on the level of like letting a pet go. It's hard. It's actually no, like, hard, hard to, to kill, kill a tortoise. Yes. Exactly. You have to really yes. do so nothing to <laughs> kill a tortoise. Yes. Yeah. And she, she, it was so hard for her to not intervene because yeah, that was emotionally yes. hard, oh, sure. but she, she didn't and it was dead. And that was a huge symbol of, Hey, when I stop mothering you and filling in all the mm. gaps and when I give you one piece of responsibility, it dies. And so we, wow. yeah. you know, to know that the, the tortoise dying symbolized the relationship to her, that this yeah. relationship could die if I don't overwork and do everything for it. Mm. So the reason I bring up that example is because if she, that just linked in her mind automatically, you know, it's not like she had to really think through that. It just linked in her mind. The second she saw the tortoise was dead, she knew I can't count on him. And mm -hmm. I have to do, I have to do everything in this relationship. And so to be able to talk about that, then it creates a shortcut later in their conversations where she could, maybe another example happens and she could say, this is like the tortoise. And he gets it. He knows what she sure. means. This is like the tortoise where I feel yeah, the burden. A shared meaning. Yeah. And so that's why I say it kind of, it, it can shorten the process and it can create this shared meaning between them. It's like a language where if someone else heard them saying, this is like the tortoise, they have no idea what that, what they're talking about. Right. But right. the mm -hmm. couple knows how significant the tortoise dying was. And it, that could be a turning point in the relationship to really wake him up like, Oh, I get what you're saying. I get what you keep trying to tell me over and over with your words. But now through this symbol, I'm starting to understand. So I have a question here. Do you notice that this kind of um, symbolizing and meaning making affects relationships everywhere? Or is it just mostly in the big areas? So, so if, if he puts, if he happens to put on the paper, the toilet paper and he puts it on the other way, is that symbolic of something? I mean, the things that we can get hung up on, right? The way he yeah. squeezes the toothpaste or whether the way she folds the laundry or, you know, those are all pretty, yeah. Uh, stereotypical examples, but is right. that kind of meaning really everywhere or, or is it mostly in the bigger, heavier things? I would say it can be. I mean, symbols are everywhere, kind of like Jeff said at the beginning. And it's what we place on it. So if I decided okay. to pick up on all of those little things that bother me, and I decided mm. every time, oh, that shows he doesn't care about our house. Oh, there we go again. That mm. shows he doesn't care about our house. And now every time I see anything disheveled, then I'm deciding that. Well, I need to wake up. I need to be aware that I am assigning that meaning every time. And hopefully I could start to let go of some of that meaning and separate what I've decided it means about him and say, mm. oh, okay, we have different styles of cleanliness. But let's do deal with this bigger issue where I don't feel supported. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. helpful. Yeah. Because I'm guessing that like 
those smaller things become extensions of the symbol. They basically are the straw, you know, that breaks the camel's back, another symbol there, but, mm-hmm. sure. but okay. basically, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're all loaded with meaning. They're all just, yeah. and I think when there's been a big betrayal, everything becomes symbolic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everything yeah, does. So it's, it's like you I see was, them everywhere. Yes. And we can really hold each other hostage to those symbols. So that's why we want mm, to be yeah. a, kind of speak them and have empathy for them and then use them in our language with each other and potentially let some go or change the meaning. Yeah. But there can be great yeah, recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. Recognize that the, that the meaning doesn't exist with the behavior by itself, mm-hmm. that it's something that we are bringing. Yeah. Yeah. Which can be a beautiful thing. You know, like it can be, we can have a lot of symbols of healing, symbols of hope, symbols of trust, symbols of integrity. And then we can also have symbols of pain and betrayal and feeling alone and things like that. So it's kind of, you can put a symbol on anything. And I like what you said, Jeff, that it's true. When there's a betrayal situation, it feels like everything means something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so many couples that I've worked with over the years, you know, they'll say things like, why are we fighting about, you know, fill in the blank? And it's like representative now of this bigger thing that they thought had been resolved or that they thought the other person understood. I mean, I've seen that in our own marriage as well. Yeah. That, you know, you think you're done with one area or you think you've got it. And the symbol is still alive and active in something else. And, right. and then it becomes another layer of understanding. I know for me, it becomes like another way to, it's funny because sometimes I feel like it's like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. Because like the yeah. symbol is like much more potent or it's more clear. It's like, it becomes more obvious now of like what it really means this time. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think yeah. it's ever, for me, at least it's never just one symbol. Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. You're right. It builds and builds. And I like what you said that you think you've got it and then it's kind of somewhere else. And so that's a big thing where, okay, if we keep seeing a theme, well, let's recognize the theme that really the theme is I feel unsupported or I feel like I can't count on Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And here's all of these. When I see this, Mm -hmm. I know I can't count on you and I feel unsafe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another example where we we get hung up is not, it's not about the thing we're arguing about. It's never really about that thing. It's about what it means, what it means, what it represents Mm -hmm. between us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I can tell you've done a lot of work to be able to even say that out loud. And most couples don't realize in the moment that the content of the fight is not actually going to get them where they want to go. So, you know, it's kind of like have to go meta, which is so hard in the moment because, you know, in the moment, I really want to drive home how dumb you were because you did this, right? And (laughs) (laughs) so, so, but if we have those symbols kind of in our back pocket to use, not as a weapon, but as a way to explain better, kind of like Jeff said, Okay, if he if there was an aha moment where there was a light bulb like, "Oh, I get it now." Then you want to remind the client, in my case, uh, and each other and yourself about that moment over and over because, you know, that kind of that moment 
goes away and then you're kind of in the same situation in a different conversation. So symbols of here's a hopeful one. I had a client recently tell me that he picked up the guitar. Well, his I think his kids gave him a guitar for Christmas a year ago, last year or something, maybe two years ago. And he had never been musical his whole life. And he kind of thought, I don't know what to do with this, but I'm just going to try. And so he just watched YouTube videos and he tried, he played a little bit every day, just on his own. And he told me, you know, this is in one of our first sessions. He told me basically what meaning it had for him. He said, this is like my recovery. I've decided that playing the guitar is like my recovery. He said, I'm not where I thought I would be in a year, but I'm proud of what I could do. And that was so sweet. I'm proud of Mm -hmm. what I can do. But I thought, you know, he thought he'd be playing these amazing songs. And (laughs) he's still kind (laughs) of at a beginner level. But he said, day by day, if I just commit to a little bit day by day, and I keep chugging along and I keep going, I'll get there. And that was a perfect symbol for recovery for him. And it kind of grounded him whenever he gets down on himself with recovery, like, oh, why aren't I there? Why aren't I at this idealized goal? He remembers, oh, it's the guitar. And then I can bring that up in therapy too. I can, because he shared the symbol with me, then I can say, ah, remember, it's like we're playing the guitar just little by little. And it grounds. I'm guessing that we use, we probably come up with and use symbols so reflexively as humans. We're storytellers, we're meaning making machines. We just, we're constantly weaving together lots of metaphors and comparisons and, and symbols like this. But I, I'm guessing that a lot of the times, you know, if you're listening to this as a listener, you're probably thinking like, what are my symbols? Like, what are the, what? you probably have so many, you couldn't even name them all. Yeah. They're probably everywhere in your life. I know that's happening for me right now as I'm thinking through this. And as I was sure. preparing for this, I'm like, yeah, like I've used them individually. We've used them as a couple. And you're right, man. They're just a very concentrated way to unpack a ton of meaning motivation, connection, safety, security, hope, Mm -hmm. accountability. I mean, it can just bring in so much and just like one little tiny pod. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I love it. It's like it bridges our inability to really have language or communicate around those things Mm because we just as a, as a culture, as a, as a people, we don't have a lot of that developed yet. And it's hard to mm-hmm. express and even make connections within ourselves about what's going on. But the symbol can do that. It can bridge that gap for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you're in pain, whether you're on either side of betrayal, if you're the betrayer or the betrayed, you're in pain. And it's really hard to express yourself. It's really hard to put mm-hmm. into words how you feel so that the other person gets it a little bit and to give them an opportunity to empathize. And so, yeah, it does, like you're saying, it bridges the gap of just like a bunch of words that a lot of times people feel like, I've explained this to you before. Don't you get it? Why don't you get it? Why don't you get that that this is a hard process for me? And But if you can use a powerful symbol or image like that, then it kind of brings the emotion too. It links the emotion with a bunch of words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of my Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Share that uh, story. A number of years ago, I was facing a really challenging situation where it called on me to have like a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. And I come from a very conflict avoidant family background. 
lovely people, but we're not mm-hmm. very good at just hitting things head on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it was just, for me, it was a really scary thing to have to confront some of these things and have some of these conversations and, and hold my ground. And I remember in a conversation with you, it could have been a discussion slash argument. I don't know. I don't know where it came up, but I, I remember like the image of Luke Skywalker in The Return of the Jedi when he's coming back as the newly formed Jedi. He's been through his training. He's got the new hand. Spoiler alert, he loses his hand in the second movie. Um, Anyway, and and he's wearing like this whole Jedi outfit. It's black. He's got the new lightsaber that's green. He's the new guy. He's the new guy. And he's showing up and he's like forcing people out of the way, choking people. Like he's just... He's just got this confidence and this ability to handle it, but he's not a jerk, right. which was always my biggest fear about confronting things head on yeah. was that I would be, again, that I, I'm a recovering people pleaser. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, a nice guy. So I just was always worried that setting boundaries or holding people accountable or bringing things up, I would lose respect or connection or relationships. And so just having that symbol, and I actually have Jody bought for my yeah. birthday, she bought me yeah, a little Luke Skywalker. A little with his green lightsaber and his black thing. And I actually have it on my dresser. I look at it every day. Yes. And just a reminder that it it has so much meaning to me about how I want to show up in the world, which is I want to choke people with my four. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love that. It just just symbolizes everything. Yeah. 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 Anyway. And yeah, they're everywhere. I mean, there's one sitting on my dresser and I would not have necessarily described it as a symbol or even a ritual when you gave it to me that we both understood the meaning and it was felt very supportive. Yeah. Yes. It felt very supportive. So I was just about to say that's, that's the ritual where you use the symbol intentionally to send a message and to remind him, Hey, you've got it in you. You can do this. You can be powerful without being a jerk. And you could even have that in your language too, as you talk, Hey, how could we be a Jedi in this hard conversation? And that totally changes it mm-hmm. and it's meaningful to you. I love that example. That's a right. good one. And that symbol doesn't have to mean anything to anybody else. That's the beauty exactly. of it. You, everybody gets to own their own symbols, just yeah. like with the tortoise. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so let's talk about then taking these symbols. I mean, it seems like, to me, it seems like, I mean, I'm a God person. So I feel like, I feel like God like places these. Some might say the universe, like there's, these are gifts. Mm-hmm. These symbols, a lot of the times, are just given to us. I believe. I don't know that necessarily we have to sit around and go, "Okay, what's my symbol going to be?" I think that right. they just a lot of them happen organically. Is that your experience, Amanda? Yeah, I think they're already there, and then we can be even more intentional about seeing them. But like you said, they're already there. I mean, they're all over the place. But we have to kind of open our eyes and say, you know, the second we start practicing gratitude or awareness or we start connecting dots in our lives like, oh, that's connected to that and that's connected to that. Then I think we start seeing the symbols in a more conscious way versus Mm -hmm. when they're just unconsciously playing upon us, then a lot of times they're kind of the more negative ones. One example is, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this because I've heard it a lot with, with my clients and even in my own life, Sometimes when something big happens around something else big, for example, like I had this baby right when you cheated on me. Mm. And so then this baby kind of symbolizes 
tons of pain or like a shift in the relationship or maybe like the end of my life, right? Something like that. And the unfortunate part, it's like the mom didn't do that on purpose. But unfortunately, now the the kid carries that burden. Who's carrying that burden? The baby. And so if we can't be aware that, oh, okay, because then later in life, maybe this mom and kid have this constant power struggle. And she comes into therapy. She's like, I love him. But why are we always like fighting? And I see parts of him in my husband and I hate that. And right. And if we can see that, oh, that birth symbolized the betrayal. And we don't want those two things attached, actually. And so let's be intentional about unattaching those, that symbol. You know, like we want to actually dismantle that symbol and create new symbols around. Okay, what would you like your son's birth to symbolize? Well, actually, she would like it to symbolize rebirth and a new life and a different marriage. Okay, let's do that. Like, let's work on that and be intentional about that. Yeah. So are you saying, first of all, that in just a recognition of the meaning of the symbol and how it affects us, that that kind of opens the door to being able to change it? Mm -hmm. But even then, we sometimes have to go steps further to be deliberate about creating new symbolism around something so that we don't stay stuck. Yes. And that's where sometimes rituals would come in because rituals are using the symbols and then creating some kind of intentional, it can be a one-time event or it can just be over time, you know, rituals. I think when we think of it, we think of it as just like a one-time ceremony. Sometimes it is that, but Mm. sometimes you can ritual, you know, like Jeff looking at the Jedi, every time he looks at that, he's, that's he's kind of engaging in a ritual like, oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to channel this kind of energy. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that's where we want to the awareness first of what the symbols are and what's attached to what sometimes in a maladaptive way, like it's not actually helping you that this meaning this. And sometimes it's really helpful that this means this and let's go with that. Yeah. Okay, so a little bit correlated with your story, it reminded me that when Jeff and I had our first son and I brought him home from the hospital, I had shared a hospital room with somebody who was very sick. Mm. And when we got home, Jeff got very sick and I had just birthed a baby and I was pretty, you know, depleted myself, but he was very sick. And The only thing I knew at that time was try to take care of him and myself and the baby. And it was Mm -hmm. all very unsuccessful. Uh, But repeatedly after that, when Jeff got sick, I felt very threatened by that. I felt like when he Mm -hmm. was sick, then I wasn't going to get what I needed. I wouldn't be okay. So that was 23 years ago. Yeah. And somehow in those 23 years, we have managed to work out of that, but we never identified that. We didn't do it deliberately. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how to take specific steps to be able to do that. So you don't have to just hope that in 23 years, that thing can just kind of get resolved. (laughs) Right, right. 
I love that example. That's a really perfect one of how the symbol lived on and on and on and over and over. And you just have this feeling inside you like, hmm, I just know that whenever he's sick, I feel scared, you know, Mm -hmm. but what's that about? Why? You know, I don't get it. And so, I mean, one, a lot of this process will happen in therapy just as you talk out loud and you say things out loud or you journal and you start to write down, this is how I feel and this is what triggers me and kind of just having these really conscious conversations. I'd say your best bet at noticing these things is when you're calm and talking because then you can Mm kind of like we said, do that meta, like I'm looking at this from above. And oh, it's starting to click for me. I literally just the other day had like a bad interaction with my husband. And I immediately I was already about to go on a run. But I went on my run and on my run, you know, I'm not next to him. And so I'm able to think, oh, and I was able to put it into language that is less fighting words. Like, oh, I'm seeing that this means this to me. So when I got home, I was able to calmly say, okay. But yeah, I mean, it's really just like a lot of self-reflection and conversations. Yeah. So I'm going to change the subject though. Did you want to? Yeah. Let me just say one more thing Mm -hmm. on that. Like, then I wonder then, Amanda, like if in this, this case of me getting sick and this symbol being tied to our, the birth of our first child, I mean, a couple really could then design a ritual around mm-hmm. unpairing those things, you know, somebody getting sick, feeling taken care of, or even coming up with some agreements or something that would really shift the meaning of that and yeah. repair that, whether it's coming up with new symbols or new ways, mm-hmm. new meaning. And I'm not sure what that would be in our case. It'd be a fun thing to talk about. Or so even something new at the next birth. Yeah. Even something right. to intentionally do some things differently to like kind of remap that that experience. Yeah, have or, a new kind of corrective experience. Yeah. And even if your kids are grown like ours are, and we're, I mean, this is not something that's like a deep wound for us today, but for a lot of years, it really was. It was very scary and hard mm-hmm. and overwhelming. And neither one of us really knew what to do. But there's a lot of intentional things you can do once you recognize that there's a thing here to build a ritual out of it. And I don't know if there's anything you want to say about just how to start to structure a ritual out of to really change the meaning of that symbol. And then can we go on to your point after that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can be so many things. And so we might need to just throw out a bunch of examples of rituals so people kind of know what that is. But I like your ideas. Even with the, the feeling sick, you know, you would create a ritual like the next time Jeff was sick. Sorry, we're using your example. The next time Jeff was sick, because he understands the meaning it has for Jody, he would want to, I would want to create some kind of ritual where he comes to her and says, I'm an adult man and I can take care of myself. And all I need is like, you know, some cough medicine and this, and then you don't have to worry about me and I don't want to be a burden on you. And then she would feel this relief potentially like, oh, okay, because that's so linked in my head. Like there's this other, now I have two babies. Sorry, I don't want to. We've had that conversation. I have two babies to take care of. And he's actually saying, no, no. And even then I was going to be okay. But 
he can voice yeah. it. And even that is kind of a ritual and, and he could do something to show that he can take care of his own needs. Then in that way, everything that Jody does to care for him is her choice. You know, like she's willingly, yes. she's gifting it instead of feeling the burden of obligation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Because even as you're describing that, I was noticing in myself, yeah, man, with all those reassurances, I would be happy to do things to like help support right. him in sickness. Right. It was yeah. never about not wanting to. No. It was feeling like you didn't have a choice uh-huh. right. at that yeah. time. And and it's yeah. interesting, like, as I look back on that experience, I mean, staying on this theme here, as I look back on that experience back in 1999, yeah. and it was, <laughs> I look back, of course, as a young, I was 25, I think, and, you know, a lot more unaware and immature. And we had never been parents before. This was just so overwhelming to both of us and disappointing. But I think that looking back on that, when you, at the moment you realize that, and I'm saying from the person that maybe caused the injury, right? And I could get defensive and say, it wasn't my fault. I didn't like make myself get sick, whatever. But the awareness around, boy, I wish I would have understood that better. Boy, I wish I would have thought of that. And now that I know I can do something different, that's where I think the new ritual starts to be created, right? Which is mm-hmm. out of that accountability, out of that compassion, out of that desire to work together, to u- be unified and to, to extend healing and then to receive healing. And like for us to like come together and, and create something that really puts this to rest and then maybe even has, like you said, a, a very succinct way of talking about it based on whatever maybe new metaphor or new symbol we might use or whatever we kind of create in the next experience. Like there's this shared understanding that we've just worked through this together Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to require a ton of language. It's just really, it's really about just getting clear on like what was off and what we can do to, to repair that. So rituals, I think, I think are born to me, a lot of these healing rituals are born out of compassion and accountability. Wouldn't you say? Yes, they are. And one great thing that they do is they link emotion to action. So that's so huge for betrayal situations too. Like, well, you're saying a bunch of words, but show me. And so rituals are definitely, rituals should be a new experience. And a good therapy term is a corrective experience. You know, we want couples to have tons and tons of corrective experiences, which means they thought this scenario was going to go one way, like it always used to. And now they're going to engage in a corrective experience, which is actually, oh, this is a whole, this is going differently. And it's actually correcting what I assumed. And it's correcting my nervous system and how it's going to start reacting and learn to trust and things like that. So rituals, command our attention to, like we were saying that a lot of these things are kind of unconscious, you're not really aware. And so doing a ritual is kind of saying, Hey, look at me, this is commanding the attention of both of you, and creating a new experience, which can be really beautiful. So let's give some examples. And then I do want to also say that not only do we want to engage in positive rituals, we also want to be able to let go of dysfunctional rituals. So recognizing what rituals you already engage in, that's where I would have people start is just think about like, okay, what do we already do? What's a ritual? Oh, every night we pray and then we kiss each other and we lay down. That's a ritual. You do it every night. 
it symbolizes whatever to you. So think about what rituals you already engage in and challenge some of the dysfunctional ones and start to let them go. So some examples kind of similar to what Jody did for you, not the same, but after my betrayal, after I was a discovery and everything, I think a year later on our anniversary, I actually made, I'm pretty proud of myself. So I'm just going to toot my own horn here, but <laughs> I made Great. some, do you know, Kintsugi, the plates that are broken and then put back together yes. with gold. Yes. So I went to the thrift store and I bought some Kintsugi plates and they actually themselves had meaning on with them. And then I smashed them in a bag and I glued them back together and I painted them with gold. Anyway, and I gave them to my husband with a big note about, you know, how our relationship is now better because it was broken, which took a lot to do. But that was a ritual. That was me saying like, here's my broken heart. He's back together with gold and it's okay. And I love you. Wow. That's powerful. So, and I've, you know, we always have those plates out to display. So that's a ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a ritual that I did by myself. And it was actually really meaningful for me working on it alone. So that was me ritualizing my own broken heart. And then giving it to him was part of the couple ritual too. So mm-hmm. a lot of couples, it's a big deal when they first celebrate an anniversary or when they start doing something that they put pause on during betrayal. And those things can be rituals. And a lot of times you have to reclaim a lot of things in a very intentional way. I'll give you another example. When this one is again from my own life, but in my house, my old house, I moved since then, but there was a room that really painful, something really painful happened in that room. And when I found that out, I had to have the door shut. And that room was supposed to be the future nursery, like baby room. And I was pregnant with my first baby. And when I had my discovery, and so I shut the door, nobody go in that room, like it was just shut for months. And even one time the door was cracked, and I walked by it. And I had probably my closest thing to a panic attack. Like, why is the door cracked? Why is it? You know, it was just like very, you know, because that room symbolized extreme pain. And I was like, I can't live like this. I mean, I can't, a lot of people would just, and this is another ritual that people do. A lot of people move houses and that's wonderful too, but that wasn't on the docket for me. And so, and my baby's coming. And so I just decided like, this is going to be the nursery room and I'm going to make it happen. And so I started to go in there like very little by little. I would walk in and I would walk out and then I walked in and I painted the walls and then I walked in and I put up cute pictures and we set up the crib and it just became my baby's room. But all of that was me having to intentionally ritualize that. And I had to decide that like, no, I'm not going to let this room have that meaning anymore it's actually going to have this meaning of actually my most precious thing is going to be in here. And I grew to love that room. 
And I spent a lot of time in that room Mm. with my baby, you know, and it just totally transformed, but it took a lot of intentionality there. And is that something in that room in particular, was that something that, you know, your husband was a part of that ritual as well, helping you reclaim that room? Yes. Yeah, totally. He helped with all of that. And, you know, he didn't have such an aversion, like can't even open the door, you know, because, and especially as an addict, you know, he's like, well, you act out everywhere. So a lot of times for the betrayer, it's like, it doesn't hold all the same meanings as it does for yeah. the betrayed. It's like, oh, he has different meanings of pain. He has different things that symbolize his pain. But for me, that room symbolized my pain. And so he was totally willing to revamp it for us. And, uh, you know, and then like when I moved out, I'm very, <laughs> I'm going to sound ridiculous here. I'm very sentimental. And so, and like a house is just really a big deal to me. And so when we moved out of that house, and I'm just realizing this is a ritual just now, I wrote like a kind of like a letter or like a description of every room in the house and what I was thankful for, just to kind of like say wow. goodbye. And I just went through the house and, and I wrote down like all the meaningful memories, not all happy, but meaningful memories of every room in the house. And then when it was like my last moment in the house, I went through crying. And anyway, I know that sounds a little much, but that's me engaging in a ritual to say goodbye to my house. And once I did, it was like, okay, let's drive away. And I was good. And I didn't feel like, oh, I want to go inside again. It was just like, no, I did the ritual and move on. Yeah, And and so I was able to say happy things toward that room. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, That's so powerful. And Mm -hmm. and the thing is, is like, it doesn't have to mean anything to anyone else. I mean, we're we're listening to it and that's a beautiful, inspiring thing for me to hear. Yeah. You know, I, I think, man, that would have been cool to do something like that in all of the places we've lived. And it's just, yeah, there's so many ways to capture that. Mm -hmm. I think one thing I'm struck by and my mind is just, as we're talking, I'm just thinking of more and more symbols and I think in relationships, I mean, I think about just all the symbols that go into getting married. Mm-hmm. That, of course, when there's a betrayal, a lot of the times couples want to reclaim those symbols again for themselves. So, you know, you yeah. you have rings and you have a public commitment. You have uh, clothing you wear. There's lots of symbols involved in creating a, a marital union, for example. And when that when there's shattered trust or broken promises... It's natural for couples to want to somehow recreate that or, or reinvent it or do something to do that. I talked to the couple some time ago where it was really important for her to just get a, to have him like repropose to her because she, she felt like, I don't even know you. And I, I want to like, I don't know the man I married. So I want to have you propose to me again. And he was really upset about it. He was so confused. Like, I've already done this. You know who I am. And she's like, I don't know who you are. And they went back and forth on it and he finally got it, but it was, it was a real challenge because the symbol, the meaning wasn't there for him, but it was for her. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, helping them facilitate this conversation really like slow down, understand it. So I think that sometimes a symbol can have a lot of meaning to one person, but not to another. And I think the couple really has to slow that down and, and embrace it because these symbols aren't going to go away. They're so powerful. Right. The meaning of them. I mean, I think of even like, you know, just the American flag or just 
you know, landmarks or things that we, we see or places we grew up or things like that. They just carry so much emotional loading for us that trying to talk someone out of that is really difficult. And so we have to slow down and really understand kind of like, you know, John Gottman talks about just really the stories underneath the dreams and underneath these emotions because they're powerful. And because they're so powerful, we can use them, like you said, to connect emotions and behavior. We can use them to advance the relationship forward if we know how to do that. Yeah. So actually with that, I start off, I love a therapeutic disclosure session, actually, personally, (laughs) sounds masochistic, but I love it because, and I start every disclosure session with kind of speaking about what this symbolizes in the marriage and that this is an event in your marriage, just like your proposal and your wedding and your discovery or disclosure initial was this gets to be up there in like the main events of your marriage and let's let it symbolize a new start and healing and full honesty and being seen and acceptance right so because that is like a turning point and and that's where you can really create a lot of people think the disclosure session is going to just be horrible and and only pain and it is pain but it can also be beautiful because of the symbolism you put on it. You know, so that's kind of me as a mm-hmm. therapist. Like I'm assigning some meaning to that so that it feels worth it. But all of those couple rituals are huge. And I love couples that just think of their own things and they come and tell me like, hey, we did this. And instead of doing this, we did this. Or, you know, we celebrated our anniversary this way. And it was really special to us because couples do that. We just, we do that on purpose. Gift giving is symbolic and, you know, nurturing and caring for each other is often symbolic. And if we can do it in these kind of creative ways, I thought of another example of one of my old clients who was coming out as gay. And with that came a lot of losses in his life, you know, like a lot of losses of what he thought his life would look like. And so really just to facilitate the grief process, I had him, he listed out all of his losses, which was a lot. And then he assigned like a small object. I said, make it, you know, just small and assign an object to each of these losses. So he came in and he brought all of those into therapy and there was this little item and this little item and that he said meant something. And then he went up and we thought of a place that was special to him. And I'm pretty sure it was like where his childhood dog was buried in the mountains. So it was like a really special place to him that he often went to. And he went up and buried all those items, just kind of saying goodbye to his losses there. And it was really powerful for him. And he knew that they were always there. And I said, you can go and visit those losses anytime, kind of like a death, you know, but that was very intentional. And instead of just going through grief and feeling yucky and like, I just feel sad. And, you know, you can just use a ritual to intentionally say, I'm feeling this emotion, right? Jeff, have you ever assigned a client to go cry somewhere? Mm. Have you given that assignment? I'm like, okay, you need to go home. I want you to go in your closet, shut the door, and I want you to cry for 15 minutes. And they're like, that is so weird. And then they do it and they're like, wow. <laughs> but, and that's a ritual. Like, that's engaging in the emotion on purpose. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I've actually never done that and I love it. I think it's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this conversation. Jody, you're writing notes. You want to say something? I just love what she just said. I'm going to think about it. Engaging in the emotion on purpose. Yeah. Well, and I mean, in terms of just, you know, I guess ongoing sharing some examples, Jody's wedding ring, we did a video on this a few years ago. Jody's wedding ring uh, that she has on now is, do you want to talk about it? It's a combination of. Yeah. Yeah. It was symbolic. Mm-hmm. And I'm only just realizing I don't have to have it on. <laughs> I must have taken and it off. And that's symbolic on my too. Or something. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we'll be having that conversation later. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, so I had a ring that Jeff proposed to me with and I wore that for a short time, but it, it was created such that it trapped water underneath mm. and would just cause my finger some problems and it was the most I could afford as a student. Sure. So it had some fine. gaps. No you complaints about that at all. <laughs> yeah. I did my best. Yeah. And then for several years we wore just some really simple silver bands that we bought probably for five dollars in Mexico one time. <laughs> um and then that weirdly got lost in a couch. Mm-hmm. Um and so you you replace that with like a little anniversary band that had some small diamonds. And I wore that for a long time. But we had had, had some really rocky times in our marriage. And as a symbol of having made it quite a distance and, you know, committed and intact, we took the first and third rings, the, diamond the out diamonds of out of them and mm-hmm. had them made into something into one ring together, kind of just to symbolize the journey and version and, three or 4.0. Yeah. Of our yeah. The, the newness, the yeah. fresh start. Yeah. And then Jeff, so Jeff had it made and then took me to the mountains and reproposed. Um, wow. And it was very, yeah. very meaningful to kind of do like a, yeah. a recommittal to have a ritual around that. It was really with this really new ring. Yeah. Us. Yeah. And it was special because it was still the old, old right. it mid diamonds. It's like, yeah, we didn't throw it that didn't away. Negate what we, where we'd come from and what we had been through, but it was yeah. f- a fresh start in a way. So yeah. lots of ways yeah. to do it. Yeah. I think the, the wedding ring is a common one too. I do the same. I just wear this tiny little band, but I had a big diamond ring. And to me, it kind of symbolized me idealing, idealizing the relationship, which was, mm. you know, kind of a downfall for me that, you know, I thought the relationship was perfect, kind of in a cocky way. Mm. And now it's like, no, it's just a real relationship. It's just a plain old gold <laughs> band that I love. And, uh, but you know, it's, yep. it's not the best ever. And we're not the best couple ever. And we're not the couple that this could never happen to, you know, we're just a real couple. Mm -hmm. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So Amanda, like as, as you're, you know, just as you're talking with couples and as I guess we're talking to our listeners right now about this in terms of an invitation or some sort of action item that, that they could take, what would you invite them to think about, to consider, to maybe even act on Mm -hmm. as a result of this conversation that we're having as it relates to their own healing? Yeah. I'd say, I mean, I'm a big believer in journaling and writing stuff down. So I'm assuming, I mean, I can almost guarantee that as people have listened to this, just like you two, 
all of a sudden, oh, this has popped into my mind and this has popped into my mind. So write those down, whatever has popped into your mind, like, oh, I have one like that. And it's kind of like this, write it down. And if your partnership is safe, share it with your partner and have them listen to it too and have them write their own things that came up for them down and have a nice sharing session there or or just kind of dig deeper within yourself. A lot of times too, we didn't really talk about this much, but we learn symbols from our parents or like we have family, we already have symbols in our family culture, you know? So like, I don't know, my family is a pie family. We're not a cake family. And so like homemade pie, that's like home, you know, like that's, that's a symbol. (laughs) So like it creates all of this emotion, but you know, we also have very unhealthy symbols too, and even rituals. So just heighten that awareness and write them down and start talking about them. And then you can be creative with the rituals. Those are kind of just fun. You know, it's kind of like, okay, what could we do? And that's where you can kind of create some playfulness, possibly, or like, or some really seriousness, possibly like, and those rituals can kind of like, sometimes there's problems that just feel like they go on and on and on and on. And we'll keep having this conversation until we die. And so the ritual isn't to stop the conversation, but it is kind of to say, look, kind of like, like I said, I don't need to look back at my house because I did it. I did the ritual. And now when I drive by, I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm. the blue house, you know, but I did the ritual. It's like I expressed it and a couple can experience something together. And then you don't have to keep spinning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for bringing this to our podcast today. Yeah. And yeah. it's such a rich conversation. I will definitely keep talking about it. Yeah. Really hopeful. Yeah. Really It's fun to inspiring. hear your examples too. It's fun to hear, you know, because when I'm writing all my examples, I'm like, Is, am I off base somewhere? But you guys are getting it. Oh, heavens no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've lived it. Symbols. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, this morning as we were getting ready and talking about it, Jody was like, yeah, we've sort of like had some pretty good reflexes over the years in terms of just knowing we needed these rituals. And I think people do. I think we have to trust mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that we've discovered that in our own relationship that, you know, we need this thing to be able to move us forward or get us over this hump. And yeah. if you need that, then you can do them for yourself or you can do them with your partner and work together and create something that has shared meaning. But the the possibilities are limitless. It's really, yeah. it's really your imagination and your experience and what you have available to you. It's really quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, so I and, love, I love expanding and, this discussion into deeper forms of healing instead of just using words. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. And don't forget that it can be something huge, like a new proposal. That's a big deal or a, a trip or something, or it can just be really simple. Like I'm going to get my blanket and pillow and that's going to symbolize to you that I'm taking care of myself when I'm sick. You know, like let's just attach yeah. that yeah. meaning right now. And right. it's simple. Yeah. Yep. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just it. go forth everybody and, and start recognizing what you already do, what you already have symbolizing something else. And then you know, yeah, most of all, I want people to feel empowered that you have power over yeah, over the symbols. You kind of have a choice. Yeah, that's fantastic. 
Thank yeah. you so much, Amanda. Yeah, Thanks. we hope to yeah, talk with you some more in the talk. future. Yeah, definitely. Okay. We want to thank Amanda for joining us on the podcast. You can learn more about Amanda and the great work that she's doing, including some other interviews she's done on her website. The link is in the show notes, so I encourage you to check her out. Thanks everyone for listening. It's just great to have you here every single week. And of course, we want to remind you about the free course that you can download using the link in the show notes. I'll send it to you right away. And it will be a great resource to have in your recovery journey. There's a lot of information packed in the one hour course. And I think you'll find it useful no matter where you are on your recovery journey. Have a great week, everyone. And we will catch you in the next episode.